Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Our guest this week is Christine Kane. She is the author of The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur and founder of Uplevel You. We are going to talk all about how to find your passion. We're going to talk about the importance of finding your passion and the importance of tapping into that to make big, confident life changes. I'm very excited to bring this to you. I have been bringing you guys a lot of interviews like this right now because I think this is an important time for it. And I think Christine is a great voice for you guys to hear when it comes to uh, making a life change in the context of what we're all going through right now. So stay tuned for, uh, for Christine in a second. I'm also going to give you guys two quick pieces of intelligence that you guys can use to get yourselves through the week or to share with your friends at the holiday table this Thanksgiving week, whatever it is that you guys want to do with it. But I got that coming up. But first, a couple of words from our sponsors, including Rocket Mortgage. The Intelligence for Your Life podcast is presented by Rocket Mortgage, home loans that fit your life. Rocket can. All right. Once again, I want to thank Rocket Mortgage for making today possible. Here we go. Two quick pieces of intelligence. First off, what have people been watching online the last few months? Well, views for guided meditation videos on YouTube have gone up 40% since mid-March. There are also more than 1 billion views for do-it-yourself face mask tutorials on YouTube. And as far as apps, meditation apps like Headspace and Calm have increased in popularity. Based on Apple App Store and Google Play Store rankings, Calm has been among the top apps since mid-March. I use Headspace. Love that people are going for more mindfulness. I think it's a great thing. Mindfulness is a big thing. I don't understand the DIY face masks. You just order some more face masks on Amazon, Amazon, but that's up to you. I think maybe everybody's looking at themselves on Zoom all the time. They're like, oh, I, I, I have bad combination skin. I don't even know what combination skin means. Anyway, here we go. New pandemic-inspired dating terms have sprung up. Some of the new terms are, one, antibody boy or girl. That's a person who brags about having COVID antibodies on a dating app, hoping it'll lead to more matches. Another new dating term, corona-zoned. That's when someone doesn't want to come to your place out of fear of catching the virus. You've been Corona zoned instead of friend zoned. Then there's X text when your ex sends you a message out of the blue because they're craving normalcy and life before the global pandemic. One more pandemic inspired dating term, zumped, to be unceremoniously dumped on Zoom or any other video chat app. And here's a new pickup line you can use if you are on these dating apps. You can't spell quarantine without you and I. All right, folks, there's two quick pieces of intelligence you guys can share with your friends uh, or, or talk about at the Thanksgiving table, the Thanksgiving Zoom call this weekend. But here, without further ado, is my, I'm very excited to bring this to you, my interview with Christine Kane. Christine Kane, author of the new book, The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur, founder of Uplevel U, uh, which, is a, which is a business coaching company. We are so excited to be able to talk to you today. Thank you so much for coming in with us. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much. Now your story, and and I believe you cover you, you cover it in the book. You were a you were a regular workaday person, and then you uh, you quit to follow your passion of being a songwriter, and then you built two additional businesses. So uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot of people right now who just think one quitting is enough, but you've you've quit like a job and a passion, and then <laughs> and then fallen into success. So. Uh, I guess what I want to teach people today is is how they can do that themselves. But but first of all, explain how you had the moxie, the uh, the gumption to actually quit a regular job to become a singer songwriter, which was your first big quit. Yeah, that was the the first big shift, and I do think you're right. There's so much 
desire for a different way this year. So for me, it was right out of college and it was that sense of surely there must be more than this cubicle job. And I had a job at a PR firm. It was pretty reputable and all the adults approved of me. And there was this deeper calling, this deeper longing and this very large dissatisfaction. And I started, interestingly, I started writing in my journal. I'd heard so many people talk about setting goals and having visions and writing lists of intentions and nothing was really working for me. And I, in one night in total frustration, I just sat down and I tell this story in my journal and I, I opened my journal and I just wrote a letter to God. I just started and I said, dear God. And I just said, I know I am meant to be grateful for this. I should be, but I've always had this dream and I really want to do this. And I began just writing every night like that about what it would mean to me. And within a year, I had left the job. I had moved out of the city and I had started my dream of becoming a songwriter. I wasn't on stage. I wasn't winning Grammy Awards or anything like that. But the small steps I took started opening up into bigger possibilities. Wow. Okay. So you you talk about like, so I'm a big fan of journaling. I'm a big fan of goal visualization and goal setting. Like I have a, I have a journal a, a planner that is oriented around you know, m- t- turning your big, your big overarching umbrella goals into daily steps. And that's a pretty traditional, there's a lot of different planners that do that. There's a lot of people that talk about how to do that, but you really flipped it on its head and, and turned it into a narrative. Right? Well, it's, in, yeah, because what you're describing is one way of doing it. And a lot of people are great at that. That really, you start with the outline, you move inward and you, and the things start coming to you. Some people, and I think this is what soul sourced kind of refers to, they're more of the, the idea comes first and it starts to bubble up from within. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have a whole lot of answers because I didn't have a whole lot of people in my life supporting me. I didn't know what coaching was. I hadn't read any, you know, self-help books. I just started, it, I needed to first articulate and get clear on what this would even look like and what a dream even is because I had so many doubts at that point. And I, I don't know if you remember back if you ever had that kind of doubt, but it was a lot of going through the whole, who do you think you are voices and really continuing to anchor to that vision made those voices start to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And that way I could start seeing my way toward what step I needed to take. Yeah. So, I mean, what you're talking, what you're describing there is this, the, who do you think you are voice? That's just the creeping sense of self-doubt that, that, that we hear when we talk about like, I want to be X, I want to be on a stage singing, I want to be uh, uh, an entrepreneur with a multi-billion dollar business. And, and your brain says, what well, you're just from, you know, uh, Polk County, West Virginia, what you, you have no business doing that. <laughs> and, and, and what that does is that self-talk, it eventually tampers down those dreams to the point where your self-talk becomes your reality. How do you begin? How did you begin? Uh, and then, and what, what can we, how can we piggyback on, on, on your learnings? Uh, to tamp down that self-talk, that negative self-talk, and begin to find the confidence to do that? Well, I think the myth is that you you, you get over the self-talk or that you find the confidence first. I Mm -hmm. think with everything we do, we do it scared, at least a little bit scared or sometimes a lot scared. So my first gig... I I just my first open mic night I thought I was going to throw up the whole time right. and then my first gig and everything I did the biggest thing I think was 
really, really cheering myself on for every little step I took. So I can look back now and laugh hysterically at my little open mic night in Waynesville, North Carolina. And like I, I was convinced that every record label from here to L.A. would say, oh, you're not cut out for this, as if anyone was paying attention. Right. But then I did that. And then, you know, someone would support me. And then I did the next thing and someone would say, yay. And then I got my first weekend of gigs and. I just sort of paid attention to who was around me and what messages I was getting. And there was an actor in town with a Shakespeare troupe and he saw me on my very first gig. He walked up to my tip jar, put a hundred dollar bill in and he said, you have to keep going. And I just took every message like that as you can still do this. You can still be scared, but follow those tiny little bright moments and keep doing it. Now, so you follow those tiny bright moments, you overcome the fear. And some people would say, you know, some people say fear is good. It, it helps you realize like where, where the dangerous things are. But uh, but I also understand like, you know, everything. What's the expression? It's not my line. It's everything worth anything in life is on the other side of fear. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I and I firmly believe that. But, I do, too. <laughs> but you're talking about the good stuff and, and just latching on to that. Uh, most of us get a lot of noise from both sides. You get some encouragement and a lot of discouragement from in, in different ways. How did you begin to wipe away the discouragement, like the 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 clubs and theaters that said no, and the, well, yeah. and the people that wouldn't let you open for them? One of the first things I one of the things I wrote about in my book is getting over that because at the first big huge thing I had was that my family was very against it and my parents would write me notes constantly and say you can't do this this is not something you were born to do I, I, that that resistance yeah. started then and again it came back to journaling it came back to surrounding myself with people who weren't you know, that scared or that negative about it and reading a ton of books about, I'm not going to say positive thinking, but really reframing. And so rejection became a part of it. And what I did was I started to, like you described, making lists. I started to kind of do a what's next approach of where if one club rejected me, I made lists of all right, here's what we're going to do next. And if every day I could do a tiny thing, I'm not talking about getting driven and driven and driven, but I just made tiny steps. I celebrated tiny steps. I had a gratitude journal. And it sounds like it's one big, huge moment when, oh, now I'm a singer-songwriter. But that that was what kept me moving forward the whole time. And it's cert- I, I always call myself the poster child for fear. Because I think people can look at it and say, oh, look at you. You made seven CDs. You cre- you've created two businesses. And all of it was done scared yeah. <laughs> the whole time. Well, I think we all have a tendency, right? We, we look at things and we think of them as foregone conclusions. And that ta- and uh, we think of them as foregone conclusions when we look back on them. And we also think of uh, or we add a certain amount of mystique to the founders so that that's, just because, that's their thing. Because when it's a foregone conclusion, you go, oh, my gosh, they had the idea for... Spanks. So of course, you know, like mm-hmm. they had they had that moment of genius, and then everything else just fell into place. But the the whole process of uh, of building something like what you did out, or you know, it, it's it's not a foregone conclusion. And every day you wonder, am I spinning my wheels? Am I moving in the wrong direction? Am I? This is not an inevitability that is guaranteed to arise. This is a, just a. This is my life every day. And and I think the challenge is is that we. Uh, when, when you haven't done something like that, 
the thing people seem to think is as if Sarah Blakely or Steve Jobs all sat there and had certainty. And the thing about being an artist, a creative, anyone doing anything big in the world is that you start to, to develop a very intimate relationship with this thing called uncertainty. Yeah. And it at first, it feels like it's going to kill you. Like you really do land on your knees a lot. And you just, I remember my first gig sitting in a car in between sets with one of my friends who was a seasoned musician. And I said, you people are nuts. This is crazy. Because I was so out of my body, uncertain and new and all that. But you start to learn how to process that. You become a really good filter. And I'm sure you, like you turn on the, with your radio show, you could probably do it in your sleep now but at first you might you were probably very scared but we start our bodies are amazing instruments our brains are amazing instruments and what was scary last year isn't as scary this year and I always say every time you up level you create a new normal and then a new desire comes up and now you're moving up into a different territory throwing off more fears that seemed like they were going to hold you back but I think the biggest thing is understanding that uncertainty is always part of the game and that certainty is an illusion anyway. And I know that's one of those things that makes me sound like I'm being all Zen and Buddhist, but you start to realize there there is is an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like, that's the biggest (laughs) gift that the pandemic has given us, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever your thoughts are about the situation, it's, it's given us this look and it's, it's for a lot of people, uh, it is, you know, objectively a difficult time. But the yes. big gift that we can walk away with right now is to be able to say what I thought was strong ground that I could, I had a I have a flourishing uh, law practice and now all of a sudden I have no clients and I can't even go to court. What you <laughs> thought was the solid, uh, certain route, the easy route, is uncertain. You now realize it's uncertain for everybody. You were just playing a slightly statistically more likely game than <laughs> than an artist. And that is so true. I have a I have a coaching mastermind of entrepreneurs and it's called M Club. And when the pandemic hit, the first thing I did was I went and into our Facebook group and I had a graphic created and I changed the name to the Resilience Crew. And the tagline was bringers of light, masters of uncertainty, mm-hmm. because I wanted people to understand that we're still doing the work we do. But our whole job is to be able to navigate all of the unknowns of having a business and what's going on now. And we're all now in this together. I have an inkling what you mean by masters of uncertainty, but but bring out what you what that means because that seems that seems on its surface like an oxymoron. You can't master something that is yeah. that is uncertain. That's such a great thing that you pointed out. Um, what I mean by and the way I continue to teach it to my clients is really it's about presence because you can't master, of course, you can't master uncertainty, but you can be in this moment looking around right now. And that's where I, our ideas come. That's where our like the insights come. We don't think things up. We think our brains are in charge of everything. But if you think of every great idea you've had, it didn't come from obsessing. <laughs> it came when you were in the shower or driving yes. or walking. Yes. And so part of the uncertainty principle was really letting people be with what's happening right now instead of grasping and clinging and, oh, knowing, and I should have been doing this, all of that, 
all of that stuff, let it go and be here right now. And that does take practice. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying it's not a big ask. It is. One of the things that I always bring up, you know, when you, when you, to, to talk about what you're talking about, the, the regret element where you go, I should have been doing it up until this point. There's a great Chinese proverb that I use to motivate myself when I, when I go into a spiral of regret of things that I should have done before. Uh, and it's uh, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best time is today. Yes. Because, you know, when, when you when you put it in that terms, you go, oh, man, I really missed an opportunity. It's like, did you or are you missing an opportunity now because you believe you missed the opportunity before? So and that's just yeah, it's just a story, too. I when I was 21 and thinking of being a musician, I thought, oh, it's just too late. <laughs> There's always right. We always have a reason. There's always a reason, but it's not a reason. It's actually just an excuse in drag. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a we all have them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I guess, so many of us made our choices based on certainty, based on comfort, right? And not everybody is, is, and we've kind of covered why it's, even if you're not 21, uh, making a life-changing choice is, is okay to do now. But how do you begin to listen? If you've been tamping down that, that, uh, and this is again, the, the soul source entrepreneur is the title of your book. How do you begin to be to find that soul? And I and I love that you mentioned earlier, and we kind of glossed past it, but gratitude journaling, and we'll come back to that in a little bit, and why that's important. But um, I want I really want to talk about uh, how you begin to find that aching of the soul. So the core of the book is really centered around becoming someone who is much more self-aware, really starting to trust yourself. Mm. And where I begin, I have a way of teaching intention that's a little bit uh, to the left of how people normally teach intention because I, I teach two different kinds of intention. And one is intention toward and the other is intention from. And too often we think that we have to have our dream, our vision, our next plan all wrapped up nicely and neatly and very clear and that's some people do and they really want to move towards something mm -hmm. but in a time like this it's a great time to pull in the principle of intention from which means you start with what's not working right now and really what is not all there where are you out of alignment out of integrity and the biggest place I like to begin people is what are you tolerating? And it's not to say that's going to provide all my answers and then I'm going to know exactly what to do, but we have to start somewhere in a place of really being aware of what's not working for you right now. Mm -hmm. And that starts to point the way to where would you be going? What would you be doing? Yeah. I mean, and this, I think... I think what you're describing, you know, if you, if you want to use a music analogy, it's, it's there's, we all feel a dissonance. You know, we mm -hmm. all feel this thing where uh, you may not, uh, dissonance is like when, when an interval is, I know you know this, but for the audience, like when, when an interval is, is not one of the prime intervals, it's not one of the perfect intervals, it always, the, the notes sound like they're in two different keys, that, uh, that sound, it's sort of like a weird throbbing sound that just like a clank on the keys is, um, is dissonance. And we feel that in our lives. It, you, even if you're not a music theory person, you can sense it when you hear it in music. And sometimes it's used on purpose and sometimes it's just a bad note. Um, but the point Absolutely. is, the point is we, we feel it in music and I think we feel it in our lives. But I think what we've done is we've turned off that antenna for hearing dissonance. And we got to we got to reprime that engine. Yeah, in the it's funny. The one way I would also add to that is I had a mentor and I tell the story in the book as well. I had a mentor who said to me that you can set intention, 
And when you set intention, that's one level of it. But to anchor back to your dissonance thing, he talked about a concept called chaotic vibration, which is where you can set all the intentions you want. But if you have all kinds of things out of whack in your life that are actually operating at a different vibration, he would say, Mm -hmm. then it's actually running counter to you. And the example that I use in the book is that when I had set my life up and set my dreams up to be a musician, I had all this old furniture in my basement that I had bought back when I was sort of struggling in life trying to make it as a musician. And then when I started to make it, that furniture was still there. And when my mentor asked me about why is that still there, I said, well, I I guess in case music doesn't work, I'll have my old furniture. (laughs) And he said, so you'll be out on the street, but you'll have that bookcase. And when we laughed about it, but he said, Christine, You have something, you have something in the foundation of your life, your basement, that basically says, I will fail. And that's Mm -hmm. why this is here. And he linked it to, you can set all the intentions for your success, but if your life is not completely congruent with that, then you're going to have problems and struggles. And so there's so many, that's part of why I want to bring that up is because there's so many places you can start that doesn't necessarily have to be, I have my intention all lined up and now I'm going to go for it and take all these actions. Some of it can be just cleaning up some of the ways that you're out of whack in your own life and you know it and things you've been ignoring. Like I said, things you've been tolerating. Yeah, I mean, that's the uh, it's the burn your ships analogy, right? When Cortez landed yeah. in the Americas, <laughs> he burned his ships so his men wouldn't desert, and then they had to build ships to leave. They'd have they'd have to they'd have to set up in in the Americas. There was no other opt- uh, uh, there was no other possibility. Um, so it's like you, setting a deadline, setting yeah. a date, having your workshop, whatever you're going to do. You put it on the calendar and you go for it. So that kind of blocks the intention. I mean, I don't want to get into super woo-woo here. I want to keep it kind of anchored to, you know, actionable stuff. But when you hold on to things, whether it's furniture or maybe it's a job that you have to skip gigs for, I mean, you know, whatever that thing is, you we hold on to stuff that keeps us anchored to the life that is that is not, that we, 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 I forget how you call it. I call it dissonance. You call it... Um, it was not he, satisfying. My, my mentor, yeah, con- chaotic vibration yeah. or out of congruence. Yeah, so this, these incongruent elements of our lives, uh, we hang on to them because they give us a false sense of security, and that blocks us from the intention of being able to move forward. Um, I mean, like, wh- why is it inherently wrong to hold on to that stuff? Like, I, I get a sense of why it is because we're again, we, when you when you plan on the, when you have a backup plan, you don't grind as hard on the on the go forward plan. And I would, yeah, and I would take a step back there to say, I don't want to say that it's inherently wrong necessarily, because all of what we're talking about is somebody managing their own life, their own personal power, let's right. put it that way. Right. And so it's not about wrong or right, but I think there people are ruled by a lot of different elements that they aren't even aware that they're ruled by. And so some people are, you know, they, it's all about other people's opinions, and so they hold on to things because what would they think if I, you know, if I left this, you know, job, what would they think? And it's all their life is being ruled by other people and they haven't sat down. And this is why journaling is so important and really said, what are my preferences? Mm. 
And one of the things that happens when you start to run a business, you've got to navigate this ship and you have to decide things. And if you're always looking around saying, what would they think? (laughs) What would they think? Or if you're only out for the money, like I'll keep this job because it's money and it's security. And yet your whole being is saying, I hate this. Mm. That's what I'm more interested in is your power, your energy, whatever you want to call it. And it's not even woo anymore, I don't think, but it's really about living a an authentic, aligned life doing something you love. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's not right or wrong. It's just, do you want to keep letting this thing be a barnacle for you? Do you want to keep letting this thing hold you back? How did you, and and, and how can people, and we'll, we'll transition to your business acumen in a minute. Um, uh, how, how do you may, begin to let go of the stuff that, that is incongruent, but also put food on the table? You know, because like, you can't just jump into being a singer songwriter. You can't just like hang a shingle outside and get a get a small business loan and be like, "I'm a songwriter now. Come on down <laughs> to to Christine's song, songwriting shop and buy yourself a song." Like that's not how yeah. it works. So how do you how do you bridge that gap? But from not false security, but like real uh, needs, and then go to uh, get into that space of uh, of, of intention. So at this point, it's a little bit like we're moving beyond intention and going into some really practical things about Mm -hmm. having a business. And I'm going to take off, you know, I'm going to stop talking songwriter and go into sort of business coach mode. And that is that when you start something, it's really about, depending on what it is, you start creating the space, batching the time to get clients and make money and create the transactional, the, the steps to get that part moving. And so with my startup clients, it really is all about some very practical steps to reach their financial intention that year, whatever it might be. And if whether you want to keep having a job, then we're at a point of how are you going to batch your time, manage your time to get this thing started up. And at this point, it really is. There's there's hustle involved. There's work involved. It's no longer just, oh, I set an intention. I'm going to sit back and it'll all come to life. And nobody, exactly nobody that I've worked with has done it that way. It really is about taking those steps and about mm-hmm. creating a creating a plan for your marketing and growing something that you love. And for you, finding that plan was was helped by by your daily letters to God, your daily journaling in that sense? Oh, at that point, I that was when I got started. But when I really stepped into doing it, like that was the, that was what made me quit the job. And I started waitressing, you know, doing odd jobs so that I could start writing songs mm. and, you know, making music. But I just started a whole acumen of reaching out to clubs, getting, you know, when when it was down to playing music, it was really a very systematic week. I planned it all out kind of like you do. And I went through and I was it was a combination of writing songs and writing doing the business development side of things as well so I was just on the road and it it built and it built and it built and then you know I recorded CDs and and did all of the work that you do when you're an independent musician but in terms of building the current business that I had it was really about starting to make the offers and I already had a list of people from playing music and then I began saying hey I think I'm going to start this and I'm going to do this program and writing the offer and reaching out and I had already learned how to market and communicate at that point but it really was a lot of practical steps at that point yeah um 
uh, okay, so that, I think that this is a natural time for us to transition to to up level you. And you've mentioned up leveling in sort of as a as a verb uh, in these in, in a couple of your previous statements today. But um, and I think I understand what it means. But let's start talking about how you got into coaching and what up level you really means. Okay, how I got into coaching was that. When my music career began to really take off as an indie, I wasn't, you know, Madonna or anything like that. Wait, you're not Madonna? We got, we got canceled this interview. <laughs> I thought I was talking to Madonna. Exactly. I had an independent uh, music career, but I'd started working with uh, mentors and coaches, and that really, really changed everything for me. And people began to come up to me after my shows, after I finished signing CDs, and they would say things like, hey, I, I want to talk to you about this part of the business or this part of marketing. How do you do this and still be creative and still be sensitive? And I would just take them backstage with me while we were packing up my gear and I was coaching. I didn't know, unbeknownst to me, that's what I was doing. And someone requested that I actually do like a weekend and talk about this. And so I created a weekend retreat here in Asheville and that started to sell out four times a year. Just, it wasn't about music, it was all about following your dreams. And then in 2009, I made my last CD and I intentionally said, I'm going to go build a coaching company because I love doing this. I have no idea if it's going to work and I'm going to make this happen. And so it shifted into Uplevel You because my my retreats, I created an online version of them and I named them Uplevel Your Life. Mm. And that started the whole company right there. And what Upleveling means is that I think we all want to go from like zero to 100 Mm -hmm. in five seconds. And what leveling really meant to me was that it's more like an upward spiral where you, you, you take these steps and then something in you changes a whole lot and you come back around that spiral and lo and behold, you're in the same spot, but now you have different circumstances and you're getting through that same old pattern, the same old obstacle, but now you're doing it in a different way, in a higher way, because I, I tend to think all of us have the same patterns in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so I always joke with my clients and say, go back and look at your diary from when you were in high school. Right. You were probably complaining about the same things and had the same issues, but now you just have a different set of players. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us, we face our same patterns and we think, oh my goodness, I was in therapy for this. How is this still coming back up again? Mm-hmm. Or whatever it might be. And so business and why I love helping people in their business is really the territory of our own personal growth if we really let it be. And we, I use the stuff that comes up in people's business when they get scared to raise their prices again or when they get scared to put themselves out there again or they get scared to take a risk again to really have them look at the old pattern, that obstacle, how we're going to move through it differently this time. And there's so many opportunities and so much growth in that, that all of that sort of became my word, my whole description of what up-leveling is. Mm. I, I mean, I like the way that you kind of, uh, it, it, uh, who is his name? Um, uh, a short comedian, he talks about it too, where like, whenever you achieve what you're, what you were going for, uh, once you get it, you now see like, it's like you your head is out of uh, up from that first canyon and you can see around, you can see, oh my gosh, there's a bigger canyon for me to explore. And then you begin to, at that new level, you begin to, you know, push yourself to, uh, to go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And while it doesn't seem like to you, it's, it, 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 well, to the outsider, it may seem linear, 
the reality is that it's, it is very leveled and striated for people where there are these sort of demarcations of, oh, I've accomplished that thing, but now I see that I'm in a world that's bigger than I thought it was. And, and it, it yeah. works like that. The way I put it in the book is that every time you up level, you create a new normal. And Kevin, Kevin helped... Hart, by the way, Kevin Hart is the okay, comedian. Yes, I was trying to think of yes. that. Too. I didn't want to try my stab at that because I was, <laughs> I was, I was going to mess that up. But yeah, what I remember one of my clients, uh, she's created a uh, very, very big um, empire now out of a an idea. She's a neonatal therapist. She wanted to create an association for neonatal therapists. It was her on her own. It's now grown into a movement. And when she first was in a room with a whole bunch of pharmaceutical companies asking for corporate loans, and she texted me and she said, oh my goodness, I'm playing with the big boys now. And she was terrified. And now I look at her and it's just like, she'll send out emails. We've got our new corporate sponsors all lined up for the year. And it's just normal. Mm-hmm. for her but she has new things that scare her and this year they had their big huge event in april and had to cancel it it was their 10 year mm. you know annual conference with thousands of people coming you know convention hall and they switched it all online within two months and did not lose a dime in fact they added people globally so it's again she's learned how to move and pivot and shift and be this owner but she couldn't have seen that coming. All of it was that up-leveling process for right. her where each time she made a new step, she became someone new and started trusting herself. And that becomes your new normal. Well, what's incredible about that is, you know, you, 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 it also points out that if you're not constantly doing this process that we're talking about, this, if you're mm. not constantly trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing, even if you think you've achieved your success, the uncertainty of life can get you. So there is and no the, point yes. in, in, in even anchoring th- to things that have worked for you. Uh, you have to be constantly reevaluating in this way. And that's so true. And that, like when you asked me, how did you get over all these fears and what was the process? Some of it for me, like in music, the more I did performances, the less I feared performances. The right. more I called venue owners, the less I feared the venue owners. You, mm-hmm. you, you begin, it's something can't scare you over and over the more if you're just doing it. And if we, you know, if you look at working out that first time you go back, if you've been off for a while, Mm -hmm. you feel like death and then you go back the next day and you go back the next day and it's not as big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Everything is like that. Everything is like that. You begin to just develop a sense of yourself and trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think we all kind of want to, we all kind of want to get there. Uh, I mean, you've given us, you've given us such an amazing, such an amazing blueprint for for how to begin to do this. I want to I want to end by talking about getting back to this practical step that I happen to love and that a lot of people have talked to me about uh which is the practice of daily journaling both both your intention, your plan, your goals and uh whether you do the narrative style that Christine's been talking about or if you do, you know, the outline style that we that we also briefly mentioned. I I think that's just a really important thing for us all to be doing, but also gratitude journaling and why that's so important. Um and how 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 does that play into what you you briefly mentioned it earlier? And I just want to I want to understand how that plays in because I've heard a lot of people talk about that. Yeah, and I I I actually take it a little bit of a step further. I teach something I call gratitudes, gifts, and gains, so that people are looking not just at the gratitudes of what they're grateful for in their life, but also at the gifts that they've gotten 
from people around them, things mm. that sort of were attracted to them. And then gains are things that they've done, little small achievements each and every day that they recognize themselves for, because I think not enough of us appreciate our own achievements and what we've done sure. in the world. And so I, I think it is in, enormously important, especially when so many of us right now, the temptation in a time of uncertainty is to constrict Mm -hmm. and really pull inward and get mm -hmm. really small and you you know you can only grow by expanding you know as they say cells are not either expanding or contracting cells are either expanding or dying right and so that's how we're the same way it's like so so having a practice of looking out of you and recognizing what you've accomplished what gifts have come into your life and what you're grateful for that's currently in your life really does it's a game changer for everybody and we've heard that so many times yeah. Yeah, for me, the more that I practice thinking of things I'm grateful for, the more I'm grateful minute to minute as I go through my life. And that is a real game changer for me. It is. Yeah. It really is. Well, I've taken up a lot of your time. Christine Kane uh, is our guest today. The book is... Oh, The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur. And it is called An Unconventional Success Plan for the Highly Creative, Secretly Sensitive, and Wildly Ambitious. And we can get that uh, Amazon or uh, you, you have a, uh, an individual website? Well, Amazon, of course, and your local bookstore as well. And you can go to soulsourcedbook.com. So Soul Source Entrepreneur, a link to where you can buy it is in the show notes. Uh, pick that up so that you can begin to make this kind of change in your life. What better time than now? Honestly, I mean, I've, I, I, I've been spending a lot of time in this quarantine, in this pandemic, reevaluating my priorities, reevaluating what it is in my life that makes my, my soul sing. Uh, what a better time than now for you guys to be doing the same thing. Uh, Christine, two last questions I ask them to everybody. First and foremost, if people want to follow up beyond buying the book, which we're all going to do, uh, what is one thing we can all start doing? Uh, where, where can people follow up with you? They can visit christinecane.com. And all my contact information is on there. I'm also on Facebook and all the social media channels and very accessible there as well. So link to christinecane.com, which has a link to all of our social media channels in the show notes for you guys. One last thing, uh, and I kind of accidentally started asking it before. I just had to have it. What is one thing we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? I would... I would encourage everybody to begin a journaling practice, just like mm. we said. I'm going to just go ahead and link right back to that, is that some kind of writing every day, free write, 20 minutes, or bullet points, there's no rules to it. I think a lot of us have gotten very addicted to rules, mm -hmm. and just trust yourself and start doing it because it's the practice of doing it that starts to teach you how it mm. works best for you. Absolutely. Christine Kane, thank you so much for your time today. I'm a big fan of journaling, a big fan of you. Thank you, and you will be on my uh, gratitude journal today. That's it for our show today. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. It helps us out a lot. You can follow up with us at facebook.com slash John Tesh. We spend a lot of our time there. We go live there all the time. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at facebook.com slash Gib Gerard or at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every mention, every DM. In fact, some of the people I've had on the show have been from people that have been recommended from social media. So do reach out to me there because ultimately I do the show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening. <laughs>